Shortsitos New York Knicks Podcast 7 in a row. Just a week ago, you guys fired Tibbs. Get rid of the front office. The front office is trash. Play camp reddish. Just two weeks ago. Team was a few games under 500. You guys couldn't take it. You thought you had a championship team and they were underperforming. I remember when the Knicks were on national television and Richard Jefferson, a known Nick hater, made a point to say the Knicks record is deceiving. They've only beat bottom dwellers. And I thought that was interesting since most of the league are bottom dwellers, since you're considering teams under 500 to be that. There are only 15 teams in the league that are over 500 right now. 15 teams. 15 teams that are over 500. Knicks being one of them. And I understand the records at the time might have been different, but they weren't much different. What did some of you, including reporters, NBA observers, what did some of you think this team was? What did you think the Knicks thought they were? The Knicks thought this team was potentially a playoff team, a play-in team, competitive They were clearly trying to trade half their roster to get Donovan Mitchell. You know they're not happy with where they are necessarily. And you knew what their ceiling was coming into the season if you were were paying any attention. Some of you thought they were going to be worse than the Pistons. So when you see the team fall below 500 by two or three games and their ceiling is 500, why do you think the sky is falling? How many games are left in the season? It was a ridiculous narrative. And now you're seeing guys like Kendrick Perkins finally catching on to how negative the narratives about the Knicks are and were. Because you look around the league, teams that have so-called foundational talent, teams that have more talent than the Knicks, the Knicks are in the bottom fifth of the league in terms of talent, top to bottom, high-end talent. They have talent throughout the roster, but they don't have high-end talent. Comparable to even Orlando. Go down to the Eastern Conference and find how many teams have high-end talent better than the Knicks. I'd say maybe the Pacers don't. They have Halliburton, no question, great player. But top to bottom, they don't have high-end talent better than the Knicks. Charlotte with LaMelo Ball. Look at the Wizards. You're telling me they don't have more talent with Beal and Przingis? Kuzma, go up and down the conference. The Knicks don't have high-end talent like those teams, yet you are looking at them, putting them underneath the magnifying glass, and you're not paying no attention to the fact that the Wizards just lost 10 in a row. And Beal missed some of those games, but they got enough talent to not lose 10 in a row. But the Knicks are the joke. The Knicks front office, who has the second most, they have the second most assets to OKC in the league. And all people can talk about is, oh, I'll just heavily protected some of those picks. Man, get out of here. Judge this team on its merits. Judge this team on where they should be. And Nick fans, too. Judge this team on the talent that's on the floor and whether or not they're playing to their potential, whether or not the players are developing, etc. You know where this team is. You want to say Randall was a mistake signing, blah, blah, whatever. Should have drafted Halliburton. Sure. Yes, everything to what you said. But is the team on the floor playing to their potential? And they weren't. 
but not to a degree where you want to fire the coach and trash the front office. That's what you guys were just two weeks ago. Now look where everyone is. Seven games in a row, yeah. A guy was on Twitter saying, I don't see the Knicks losing the next five games. That was before the second Chicago game. No, that was after the second Chicago game. I don't see the Knicks losing in the next five games. That's where they are now. That's where you guys are now. All you see is positive stuff on Twitter. Oh, this guy's so great. Oh, this guy, look at this guy, R.J. Barrett. Y'all tried. Y'all wanted to trade R.J. Barrett. Give Julius Randle his flowers. This guy, the Knicks had, this is from Knicks Muse. The Knicks had number 25, number 36, and number 58 in the 2021 NBA draft. They picked three quality rotation players on a winning team. It's been two weeks. They were quality players before this last two weeks. Now you come into this conclusion. Listen to this one. This one is rich. John Schmelk. What the Knicks are doing is pretty unusual and impressive. They are winning while playing primarily young players while stockpiling future assets and not having any truly albatross contracts crippling them. The franchise is really in a better place than I've seen in a while. Oh, really? This is what you realized in the last two weeks because they won a couple games? This is perplexing to me. I've been saying it all year long. This season is about developing young players, about playing to their potential, increasing trade value of players. The ceiling is probably around plus or minus around 500 now. Maybe that's going to be higher. Who knows? But this idea that all of a sudden in the last two weeks, the Knicks are in a decent position as a front office, as an organization... All of a sudden, because they're on a win streak, because they're on a win streak, in two weeks this could be done. They could be they could they could lose five games in a row. Does that change anything in two weeks? The idea that people were jumping to conclusions ten games into the season, fifteen games into the season, this arbitrary notion of 20 games into the season, you know what you have? Maybe, yeah, the guys who are playing on the floor, you may know what you have with the guys who are on the floor. But what happens if you change those guys and play other guys? And when you have a team like the Knicks that have guys sitting, waiting in the wings, I see people giving Knicks Twitter credit for calling for Grimes and McBride to play. Listen, let's put McBride to the side for a second. Grimes earned his way into the rotation last year. Got hurt, got COVID, and he was out for the rest of the season. He was he was he had already earned his minutes to play as a rookie. Nick's Twitter didn't call for Grimes to play. There was about a week this season where Grimes could have played and didn't. About three games, you really kind of a mystery at the time while he wasn't playing. It just seemed like he wasn't really healthy, and he wasn't. And you've seen, you've heard Grimes talk about it a little bit. He needed to get his legs underneath him. He needed to get up to game speed a little bit. He kind of had to earn his way back into the rotation because he wasn't quite there yet. And he said he was glad that he took, you know, that, that extra time was there for him, available for him. It helped him when he first started playing. The idea that Tibbs didn't know what he had in Grimes is a joke. Were you not watching the team last year? He, was, he couldn't wait to play Grimes last year. Couldn't wait to play him. This idea that Tibbs was holding McBride back. McBride was Tibbs' pick. 
Do you not follow the Knicks stories, the Knicks news? Tibbs wanted to draft McBride. That's his guy. He's been thirsty to play McBride. But Rose is on the roster. Last year, they signed Kemba Walker. They had Fournier. Derrick Rose is on the team. You know how hard it is to put a guy making $18 million a year on the bench the way they did with Fournier? It was done because Tibbs knew the younger players were going to give them the better chance to win. Of course, he had to start the season with Fournier playing. He's making $18 million a year. They should have never signed him. No question, no doubt. But the idea that a rookie in McBride last year was supposed to play all year long, that's crazy. Kemba Walker came on this team, should have never signed Kemba Walker. It was a mistake. But again, McBride wasn't going to play fresh out the box in the rotation. You saw him play towards the end of the year last year for sure. And you saw, hey, man, maybe there's something to this kid. But you guys sit around talking about how great all these young players are, but then trash the front office the very next breath. It's ridiculous because league observers, reporters, what have you, these guys don't value the young players on the roster the way you Nick fans do and the way the front office does. They don't see the same value in those guys. You saw them play short spurts. You saw the best of them. You became fans of them. Some of you are a little bit more objective than others. But around the league, nobody cares about McBride. Brian Windhorst was on his podcast talking about the Knicks. And he mentioned Nick Twitter about how Nick Twitter has been asking for McBride to play. And he made a little snide remark saying, you guys really think McBride is going to make a big difference? Well, he's eating those words, isn't he? Too many of you guys, league observers included, only see the flash that's all you see. You see that the flying through the air, dunking, great crossover. That's all you see. You don't see a guy like McBride who scraps, who makes who makes the screen and roll more difficult for the opponent, who closes out, who gets to the 50-50 balls, who gets into the passing lanes, who gets tough rebounds. You don't see that stuff on a losing team the way the Knicks were last year because you don't want you don't want to pay attention to it. You don't want to give any credence to any performances of a losing team at the end of the season. I get it. But you're not really watching these players. And if you watch McBride, you had to know that every time he came into the game, he made a difference defensively. You had to know that. If you don't know that, that means you didn't watch it. And I'm burying the lead because you know that Grimes is playing 33 minutes a game. And the reason why I'm doing that is because that wasn't a surprise to the organization. You guys are making jokes when rumors started circulating that the Knicks didn't want to trade Grimes. Oh, Grimes, he can't do this. He can't do that. You didn't know what he was because you didn't see enough of it. But Tibbs knew, the front office knew, that his defense was special. Mitchell Robinson a guy you guys couldn't wait to get off the court the first couple weeks of the season because he was in foul trouble. Oh, start Hartenstein, you shouldn't get in his contract. He has been elite defensively. Elite on the offensive boards. Elite. He has been a difference maker. What Quentin Grimes and McBride are doing defensively would be, and quickly, let me not short, quickly, What they're doing defensively would not be nearly impactful, as impactful, if Mitchell Robinson wasn't doing what he was doing. 
you have to watch the game closely to see what Mitchell's doing. You're just looking at his block numbers. The way he's covering the screens, the way he's making things difficult. Did you watch the Pacer game? Halliburton, one of the best passers in the league, could not find a way to get the ball to the roller when he went screen and roll. And because Mitchell made that so difficult for him, they didn't go to it as much. That's what good defense does. That's what good defense does. If you watch the Knicks earlier in the season, you saw teams were comfortable out there. They were kind of coasting, floating around, all right, taking their time. You saw it from DeJounte. You saw it from SGA. You saw it from a, z- a zillion guys, comfortable, floating out there. Now everything is rushed, sped up. Quinton's doing that. McBride's doing that. Brunson has even been doing that. Quickly, you know, is doing that. You're seeing better defense from defense from, from Julius Randle. You're seeing better defense from R.J. Barrett. It's almost like it's contagious. But it all starts with Quentin Grimes in the starting lineup. And in that second unit, having Quickly and McBride really gives teams a hard time. And when they mix McBride and Quickly with the starters, money in the bank defensively. And, of course, some of you... I'm still not happy. Why isn't Cam Reddish playing? Tibbs can't use Cam Reddish correctly. I made this comparison in the preseason. I walked it back a little bit because I didn't think it was fair to Cam Reddish to make that random comparison. But the Knicks played the Pacers again last night. They played them in the preseason a couple times, played them again last night. There, If you want to know why the Knicks are wasting their time with Cam Reddish. Just look at Benedict Matherin. And ask yourself, why is Matherin so much more effective than Cam Reddish with with very few plays run for him, if any? You might say Carlisle's offense is a, is a little bit more conducive to a talented player. Listen, I don't want to hear it, man. I'm just I'm just sick and tired of it. There's just no reason why Cam Reddish has to be has to have his hand held as much as he does. And listen, don't get me wrong, some of it is Tibbs in his offense and the way he hides players in the corner and they never really get a, an opportunity sometimes on the weak side. But when the ball does find them, they have to be efficient with their opportunity. They do. And if you watch the Dallas game, and I mentioned this before, Cam wasn't ready to play on on either side of the floor, and it was just enough was enough. And he was real good on the ball defensively, but the truth is, off the ball, his rotations, his switches, they left a lot to be desired. Left a lot to be desired. And that's the reason why he's not playing. And what, and what do you see? You see Grimes getting more minutes, McBride took Derrick Rose's minutes, and all of a sudden the Knicks are off to the races. Simple, subtle changes. And I've been talking about it all year long, going back to the preseason. So when you guys get hung up on a bad week, two, three games, a bad two weeks, six games, or a good two weeks, it's ridiculous when the Knicks are in the position they're in. If you're a championship contending team and you can't get out of your own way, okay, then maybe it's a big deal. But when you're in a position that the Knicks are in, you're really just trying to see what you have. You're really just trying to 
maximize the players that are on your roster already and hopefully make some deals in the future. We won't go there right now. You don't get hung up on two weeks. Two weeks is not going to change how you feel about your team. It shouldn't. It is ridiculous that it would change how you feel about the team in two weeks. You felt you wanted everything trash two weeks ago, but now you're good? How ridiculous is that? Trade Randall, trade Randall for a bag of popcorn. Anything you can get, you're going to still do that? That's a real question. I can ask myself that question. I've been wanting to trade Randall myself. Oh, you got to attach an asset to get rid of Randall's contract. Randall's underpaid playing like this. You know, the last couple of games reverted a little bit if you're watching the games. You can't just look at the numbers of Randall. It's, it's a lot of things that's going on in the court that affects winning when Randall's playing. And since he plays the most minutes on the team, if he's not playing all facets of the game, it hurts, the, it, again, the subtle the subtleties of the game hurts all facets of the game when he's not really on it. But he has been during this winning streak for the most part. You still going to give him away? You still want to attach an asset to get rid of him? What are you trading Randall for right now? Let me ask you a question. How many guys in the league are averaging 20-plus points, close to 10 rebounds a game, and a few assists? How many guys are doing that? Not many. You trading Randall away for what? Some some salary relief? That's what you're doing? I'm not arguing with you. I'm not arguing. I'm just asking. You trading away what he's doing right now on the court in the last two weeks for just anything? That's not... Uh, things do change in a short period of time. But if you hated Randall two weeks ago and you love him now, that's not... You can't run a front office like that. You criticizing the front office. You can't run a you can't run a front a front office like that. And here's the point. If Randall's contract, if if it was an albatross two weeks ago, and he makes an all-star team, which is a possibility if the Knicks keep this up, how does that make sense? How is it that they couldn't give him away a month ago? But he's potentially, let's play it out. Let's say he's an all-star, making $23, $22 million a year, whatever it is right now. That's too much money? That's too much money? It's not like he signed a 10-year deal. There's like three years remaining, including this year on his his deal. If that. And it's too much money for an NBA all-star? The way narratives shift... In short periods of time, everybody should just be embarrassed of themselves. You can't jump to these conclusions in these short span, uh, these short spans of time. You can't do it. There's just no value in it. And how does a front office run their team based on a win streak, a two week win streak? All of a sudden, you change everything you felt about the team changed now. If you have to have a better way of evaluating your team outside of wins and losses. And that's really the issue here. Because when the Knicks were losing games recently, it wasn't just them getting the doors blown off. They they had three games in a row at the Garden where it came down to the final possession. Three games in a row. 
and you're sitting around saying because the Dallas game came and they got their doors blown off. You're sitting there saying we got to reevaluate the whole team. Like, huh? You know who's been, if you look at the stats, and we're going to go through the stats in a minute. The Grizzlies have been one of the best overall teams in the league over the last 10 games. Defensive rating, you go down the line. One of the best teams statistically in the league in the last 10 games. The Knicks lost to them by four points. They lost to the Trailblazers. One of those teams that's over 500, the Trailblazers, yes, the Knicks lost to them by three points at the Garden. The Bucks, you know, like the number one team in Eastern Conference, the Knicks lost to them by six points. Those were the home losses right before this streak. You know, the home losses where everything was a disaster and the Knicks were falling apart and fired Thibodeau. It was them losing to the Trailblazers, the Grizzlies, and the Bucks because they just came home from a road trip where they shocked the world and had a winning record on the road trip. And I don't care if, you know, Joker didn't play and they got blown out in Golden State and Phoenix. They still weren't right as a team, but they had a winning record on that road trip. And that was a road trip that started right after the last Fire Tibbs firestorm where they went to Utah and had that surprising victory. They weren't supposed to win those games. OKC's not a great team. They've been ebbing and flowing. I was talking them up a little bit around the time that they blew the Knicks out because they were playing well. But they went to OKC and they beat that team that was very capable of beating them, especially at the time. They came back on that from that road trip with a home stretch where they were playing some tough teams and they lost to those teams in some very close games. And then that Dallas game just put a bad taste in your mouth because now you're looking at four games in a row that they lost at the Garden in a very short span of time. Three of those teams were very good teams. Dallas is like off and on as a good team. And folks are looking at these games like the Knicks losing to just anybody. Those were good teams. There's no reason to look at that schedule and say the Knicks should beat those teams other than the fact that they were home. And every Knicks fan knows that that doesn't matter. (laughs) The Knicks will lose at home, and they have for a long period of time because other teams enjoy playing in the Garden more than the Knicks do. The fans root for the other teams just as much as they root for the Knicks. Gilbert Arenas was just talking about it. I mentioned it on the last show. So they will struggle at home. It's That's a problem that they're still going to have. But defense defense settles things down, especially at the Garden. The Garden recognizes good defense and hustle, and it, it excites them. So maybe that turns around. But the point is, you guys were evaluating a team that was coming into the season with a 500 ceiling because they lost to teams over 500. Some of the best teams in the league. And wanted to fire the coach over it. And then here we are two weeks later. And everything's hunky-dory. And some of you still don't want to come off of that fire tips bandwagon. I want you to know something. If the Knicks continue to play at this rate for the rest of the season. Tom is coach of the year. Y'all want him fired. He's coach of the year. But what does that mean is my point. Does that mean the Knicks still don't need a superstar? 
Does that mean the Knicks still are on the championship team? I mean, I honestly, I think the Knicks are a wing, two-way, dynamic, three-level scorer. I'm not saying this is easy to find. I think that they're that player away from potentially being a contender in the Eastern Conference. But they're still not going to be better than Giannis. They're still not going to be better than Embiid Harden. They're still not going to be better than Kyrie Durant. But Kyrie Durant might not be a thing next year. The Bucks are going to be a thing for a while. You never know what's going to go on with Harden and, and Daryl Morey and that whole Philadelphia thing. Everybody else in the conference, to me, they're not. They may be more talented, but they're not dominant if the Knicks add that kind of player. And I'm not saying they're going to add them. They, they want to. But my point is, that hasn't changed. None of, none of that has changed. If the Knicks were middling and they were treadmill two weeks ago, they're still that. And it's just, I'm glad for the positive vibes. I'm glad that you got guys like Richard Jefferson giving the Knicks credit after he shades them all the time. I'm glad you have guys like Kendrick Perkins who are pointing out that the Knicks coverage is just negative for no reason. And there are plenty of teams around the league that are in way worse situations than the Knicks are. But at the end of the day, your evaluation of the team should not have changed. It should still be in the same place. But enjoy it while it lasts, because if McBride gets hurt quickly or Grimes, this team is going to struggle a little bit. Maybe good habits would have been contagious by that point, and and guys will pick up where they left off a little bit. Even though JR and RJ are playing better, they're still not the biggest difference makers on the court. Let's run through some stats on this win streak and how good the Knicks actually have been here. In the last 10 games... All right, so that's beyond the win streak, and I did that on purpose because, like I said, the Knicks weren't necessarily playing poorly before this win streak here. But in the last 10 games, number one defensive rating in the league, if you couldn't guess it, the second highest net rating in the league during that stretch, number one in defensive rebound percentage. Now, listen, this was a problem for the team. But Grimes and Brunson's gotten better at it. But McBride, these guys hunt down rebounds. Have you seen RJ rebound much better? You've seen Julius rebound a tick better. He gets the rebounds that are right in front of him, but he, he's looking for them now. The Knicks have made an effort to close out these defensive possessions with actual defensive rebounds, whereas they were giving up a ton of them, a ton of offensive rebounds before this little stretch of games here. Number two in opponent's field goal percentage. Top 10 in opponent's three-pointers made. Now, you know that was a big problem for the Knicks. Giving up a ton of threes, right? Number two in opponent's three-point shooting percentage during that stretch of time. Number two in opponent's points per game. We're talking a huge turnaround with two rotation player changes. Talk about subtleties, man. It's as simple as that. And remember I told you, I told you with Obi Toppin hurt, if you saw that Hardenstein-Sims lineup, it was Cam Shade. Remember I said that? Now, that's all you're seeing. 
You're not even seeing R.J. Barrett at back at power forward. You're seeing Sims and Hartenstein, and they're still making it work. The lineup has some little ebbs and flows when they first use it, but they're doing all right with it, and it's probably because Sims is such, such a dynamic defensive player. And Hartenstein can step out a little bit and give you a little bit of perimeter play. They've get, given him a little bit of a longer leash on the perimeter. You've seen probably less than five plays in, these, in this little stretch of games from him on a perimeter. But just the fact that he's out there posing some sort of threat gives them options with that lineup. And they don't go with it for very long. But I told you it meant Cam Shade if, that, if that's the lineup they went to. And that's exactly what's happening. They clearly have no interest in playing Cam right now. Clearly. And another aspect of this that's interesting is IQ is up to 25 minutes a game, right? IQ is who he is right now. And there's no shade. We talk about IQ all the time and the floor game and his defense, etc. But he is who he is right now. He's up and down offensively. He's a great rebounding guard. He's a great defensive guard. We know he can hit the shot. But his offensive approach is just a little janky right now. He doesn't really know where his shots are coming from. He doesn't really have... Uh, an idea of what he's doing for his own offense and he's not necessarily creating a ton of offense for other people in the half court he does it very well in transition but at 25 minutes a game he's playing no more excuses from these guys out there oh quickly gotta play more blah blah he's playing all right Grimes is playing 33 minutes a game and you know why it's because of the position he plays Playing 33 minutes a game and shooting 53%. This is the last 10 games, right? 53%. And Mitchell, in our roundup form, he's averaging six offensive rebounds per game. That is a silly number. That's not a number you see all over the place. Six offensive rebounds a game in this 10-game stretch. And McBride is playing about 15 minutes a game in this stretch, and he's averaging a steal, one steal. Listen, that's nuts. You got guys playing 30, 35 minutes not getting one steal. He's playing 15 and getting a steal. Give that man credit. Don't tell him short. The J.R. Randall. There's Julius Randall, R.J., and Grimes lineup. Plus 10. Plus minus plus 10. Again, it's the last 10 games. Last 10 games. McBride net rating, McBride 12.5 net rating. That's silly. Goodness. Grimes 8.3 net rating, Mitchell 7.4 net rating. Actually, this is on the season now. This is on the season. IQ at 5.2 net rating, Brunson, RJ at 1. Brunson's net rating, even on this streak, isn't as high as some of the other guys. And I think it's because. Of his time with the second unit. I think there are groups he plays with in the second unit that aren't as functional. For example, I think Brunson, Barrett, and IQ, when they play together, they're a minus five. When Brunson, Grimes, and IQ play together, they're 11.4. This is net rating. That's a huge disparity. So in that second unit where Brunson stays on the floor and IQ comes in, when Barrett's still in the game, they're not playing well. They're not playing because the minutes are comparable between these two uh, lineups. And, and that's also with Randall and Mitchell. Both of these are with Randall and Mitchell. 
when when Grimes moves down to small forward and IQs in a game, that's eleven point four. That's a, like that's a very subtle difference that could be. That's a very subtle lineup change. That's not a big deal. Instead of bringing in IQ for Grimes, bring in IQ for Barrett. Barrett is still getting his minutes with the second unit. This is this unit is not because Brunson comes out of the game just a couple minutes later when IQ comes in. He's he plays a few more minutes. So this is not like a huge stretch of minutes. So instead of pulling Grimes, you should pull Barrett. And then Barrett comes in to play with the second unit a lot anyway. So you know it's not a big deal, but it could help them not lose some of the leads in the first quarter. The the starters have been building with this lineup during this stretch because the Knicks starters during this stretch with Grimes top two or three in the league in terms of effectiveness net rating top two or three in the league as starters so when the bench comes in and you know the team has a strong bench it's just about keeping the right lineups in as opposed to completely upsetting the apple cart just putting the right pieces together and this is something that Tibbs always talks about and I know net rating is an important stat to Tibbs I've talked about on the show a million times he's mentioned it he has to be seeing this I hope he's seeing this just make a little subtle change in the lineup and maybe you don't lose some of those leads that are being built Let's do net ratings during this streak. During this streak, McBride is an 18. I'm rounding I'm rounding uh, to even numbers here. So, McBride is an 18 net rating during this stretch of time. Grimes is a 16. Hartenstein's a 16. RJ's 15. Randall's a 15. Mitchell's a 14. And again, Brunson's a 7. I'm not sure why Brunson's net rating, I guess... Because everyone else who's playing, a quickly's, quickly's net rating is not up here. It's not as high as it was before. I'm thinking it must be that lineup that they're running when they start subbing. Because we all know Brunson is not a problem on the court. We all know that. They're not winning these games. Brunson did not play well for most of this streak. I'll say that. He, had, he did not have great games for all of these wins. He was in a little bit of a, a slump. He was a little banged up. That also might be affecting the net rating here. But all of those numbers are excellent. But McBride, 18 minutes. Again, Wendy talking about, oh, McBride's going to make a difference. Laughable. Really? Really? My fear for this team right now is injuries to be honest with you because I think it could derail what they're building and they're still in the beginning stages of whatever it is and because this is being spearheaded primarily by Grimes, Quickly, McBride you want these these guys have not played enough in the NBA to be comfortable to, to really know where their game is you really want them to have this season to build on and you want them to have success while they're doing it. Someone asked on Twitter a few weeks ago, this was before the win streak, 
would you do you want the Knicks to try to get to the playoffs or do you want the Knicks to develop young players? And my answer to them was clear. I, I don't see how those things have to be opposed. That was just my stance on it. I don't see why those things have to be opposed. And I thought it was an irresponsible question to begin with because it assumes the Knicks were not playing young players. The only veteran player the Knicks was playing, the Knicks were playing at the time, was Julius Randle and Derrick Rose. Everybody else was a young player on the roster who was playing. I think, I think me wanting to trade Hardenstein. I talked about that a couple times since the Knicks weren't using them, using them. I think that's that's timed out. I don't think that's a good idea anymore. I don't think it's a good idea anymore. I've changed. Obviously, Rose is down the rotation. It doesn't really matter if you trade him or not. I do think it's best if Cam is just not on the roster. I think it's best to try to fill Cam's spot with someone who can be a little bit of defensive insurance in case Grimes and McBride get banged up. I think those. Are, I think that's a move the Knicks can make here. But outside of a big move, what's the point? Let these dudes play. Let them play, build their trade value, get experience, learn what you have. Learn what you have. These guys were drafted because you believed in them. They were all first-round draft picks. Quickly, McBride, Grimes, Mitchell was a second-round draft pick. They've been developing Mitchell for years. But these, let these guys play. You brought them in here to play. The point of playing veteran guys just to compete for the playoffs the last couple years, silliness. Last year specifically. Silliness. Kemba, Fournier. I'm a Ro- I think Rose was important to this team two years ago. So to come into the season last year thinking that you didn't need Rose was probably asking a bit much. With Rose's injury is probably the, the second biggest reason why the Knicks were terrible. You can say and the number one reason was Randall. But you can say that Randall was terrible because he didn't have Rose. He didn't have someone to lean on offensively the way Rose was in the first year. So I get Rose. I, I 100% get Rose. But some of these other guys, and Burks was very important to the Knicks in a lot of different ways. a very important piece to any team. But once you bring, you don't give guaranteed deals when you draft guys to play those positions. You don't do it. You gave When I say guaranteed deals, I don't mean one year, but two years. Two years to Kemba. Two years to Burks. You bring in Fournier, you give him three years guaranteed because you, you really think that you're going to be competitive in Eastern Conference with a guy who's that poor defensively. I, I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking there. And again, I didn't criticize it nearly as hard at the time, but those are the reasons why McBride and Grimes were buried. And keep in mind that Tibbs is not going to play rookies right out of the box, but Grimes earned that time and he got injured. And I think if Kemba wasn't here, I think McBride would have gotten those opportunities a little bit sooner. But as we know, Tibbs went with Burks at point guard instead of playing McBride. So he's going to take that heat. Even though McBride was his pick, he's going to take that heat from guys who've been saying that McBride should have been playing from Jump Street. But you come into this season, now you have Brunson on the team, you have Quickly on the team, and again, Rose is still here. Where's McBride going to play? The fact that Tibbs is playing McBride 
with Quickly, with Brunson, and not just as a straight one, as a straight point guard defending point guards, and that's it. And he probably does defend point guards, but there's a lot of switching going on. But the point is, the fact that he goes to such a small backcourt just to get McBride on the floor should is impressive to me. Because he very easily could say, you know, I can't have Brunson, Quickly, and McBride playing. Remember the knock on, one of the knocks on Brunson was that he was too small. People saying, oh, Brunson's not going to be a different difference maker. Why are the Knicks signing him? Such a ridiculous, to me, a ridiculous notion. If you think Brunson's a good player, if you think he's a solid player, a good foundation piece for your team, you don't pass on bringing him to the team because you're not quite ready to win with him. That's to me, is a ridiculous notion. Oh, let's not sign Jalen Brunson because we're not ready to win right now. What are you talking about? Could be ready to win in two in, in a week with the right trade. You could be ready to win in a season, an offseason. You don't just not have the guy on your team. It's just a ridiculous concept. You just didn't think Jalen Brunson was that good. And we talked about this before. The notion of guys, because they don't do something, you haven't seen them do something, that means to you they can't do it. And it's the job of these front offices, it's the job of scouts, whatever you want to call it, coaching staffs, to know, okay, this guy has the ability to do this. And on this particular team, he's not being asked to do it. And maybe the Knicks had some inside intel when it came to Jalen Brunson. It's not maybe. They absolutely did. But you saw a lot of what Jalen Brunson is doing right now for the Knicks. You saw a lot of it in the opportunities he had to do it for Dallas in the playoffs, in the biggest spots. Why anyone would have any doubt that Jalen Brunson could be this good is a mystery to me. But a solid, a good, fair knock on him is his size and his ability to be versatile defensively and, and just be uh, and even an average defender at that size. And he's a very tough defender. He does get beat, but he's a very tough defender, and I think that goes a long way. The, not, the idea that Tibbs would throw him and McBride in the same backcourt, him, McBride, and Quickly in the same backcourt, back Brunson and Quickly in the same backcourt, regardless of the fact of how small they are, it's a testament to all of them defensively. And I don't think anybody, when people start talking about the Knicks need to play the young guys, most of the time it's about Obi Toppin. And it's the one guy who wasn't going to play many more minutes as much as you might want them want him to. Can probably steal Randall, three or four Randall's minutes. I still believe that. But at this point, I wouldn't steal three or four of Randall's minutes to give it to Obi. I would steal three or four of Randall's minutes and give it to Grimes and McBride. And the way you would do that is you would move RJ to play more small ball four. I mean, like I said, if if only for a couple minutes. And you can steal some of RJ. And RJ's playing very well right now. But you can steal some of RJ's minutes if you don't want to do that and give it to McBride. And McBride should be on the court as much as you can put him on the court. As much as you can put him on the court. He's, And you heard J.J. Reddick say it recently. This Knicks run, and Julius has been playing better in this run. RJ's been playing better in this run on both sides of the floor. Give them both credit. And Julius hit some huge free throws down the stretch. And he's done that a couple times this year. Missed a couple, but he's hit some huge free throws down the stretch and did that in the game yesterday too. Give him a lot of credit for that. But defensively, you're seeing both of them play much better. But this run is about Grimes and McBride. And sometimes you're going to have to play these guys more minutes. 
to get through a game because they are just that impactful defensively. And the Knicks should just be looking to not bring in guys like a Fournier, even a Rose, and I hate to say it like that, but guys who aren't as good defensively. You don't want any more drop-offs. You don't want to steal minutes from these guys and their impact and give them to guys who might be able to score a little bit better but aren't that impactful defensively because it hurts the entire defense. And that's what you've seen all year long. The entire defense has suffered when one or two guys haven't been up to snuff. Now, the Knicks have Golden State coming in to the Garden. And no Steph Curry. I had tickets to that game. So I'm a little bummed that Steph Curry's not playing. It's always a joy to see. One of the all-time greats I missed out on seeing Jordan play in person and Kobe play in person, LeBron play in person. I guess I still have an opportunity to do that. But I have seen Steph Curry play in person before, but it would have been nice to take advantage of those those tickets to see him at the Garden this Tuesday or this evening, depending on whenever you're listening to the show. But you're... Seeing a Golden State team that's been struggling and Steph's been out, you're, you've seen Golden State now activate Jordan Poole, prime Jordan Poole, who struggled most of the year. Now he has free reign in his offense, played a little bit better defense the last two games, even though he's been struggling defensively for most of the year. The Knicks can't, the concern would be Golden State has kind of dumbed down their offense since Steph is not there. It's a much simpler offense, but that doesn't make them any less potent because they have a guy who's very hard to guard in Jordan Poole. I don't see Jordan Poole really taking over the game offensively with the Knicks, with the trio of defensive guards that they have right now that can get in his way. He is a very slick guard, but he's prone he's prone to taking some bad shots. And the Knicks can you know they can get they can get into people, get into their balance, get into their rhythm and their timing. I can't really see him having a dominant performance. And I think if they take him out of the game, obviously you got Clay Thompson, who's always willing to go buck wild in the Knicks. If they can take Jordan Poole out of the game, they probably have a chance of winning this game. Golden State has not been playing well. You don't want this win streak to end with a Jordan, with a Golden State Warrior win at the Garden. So looking forward to this game tonight. See if they can continue I'm still looking forward to this trade season. I'm less anxious about Nick trades at this point. I think Cam is gone. I wouldn't be surprised if they found a deal for Fournier, but I can't see any of these other guys getting traded. I think the asterisk is Obi Toppin. I think there's still a chance Obi Toppin might be moved. But I think there's going to be some pretty big trades. Not big trades, but there's going to be some impactful trades made over the course of the next 30 days, Anthony Davis's injury just really kind of put a put a damper on that a little bit. I don't know if the Lakers know what they want to do at this point with an AD being injured. But I'm always looking forward to trade season, and I'm a little bit more excited about it this trade season because I'm hoping SGA goes to OKC and says, hey, send me to New York. We're going to be here either way. Happy holidays to those of you celebrating Make sure you check out, no matter what, sportsethos.com, at Ethos Knicks on Twitter, at Sports Ethos. Until next time.